Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. One of the great questions in life is, what is God's will? How do I discover what God wants me to do? Now, this is not just a question that we ask once during our lifetimes. Throughout all of our lives, our circumstances change, and we are confronted with with a lot of different situations that we have to determine, okay, God, what do you have for me? Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's an employment situation. Maybe it's a family situation. But God, what is your will for our lives? Now, we want to live in a place of God's blessing. We want to be all that God wants us to be. We want to please him. We want to give him glory. But in order to do all of that, we must understand what God wants for us and pursue that with the passion that allows us to show our love for him. Back in March, we started a little series on a very familiar verse of Scripture. It's found here in Romans chapter 8. It's verse 28. And we have read that together on a number of occasions, and here it is. Can we read it again this morning? Read it from the screen, please, so that we're all in the same translation, the English Standard Version, all right? Here we go. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. The scripture says, with no qualifications, that God puts the package together. There are no exclusions. There is nothing that we need to be concerned about. But we can trust God to develop in our lives the character that he wants for our lives. But we need to recognize that God does have a will a purpose, a direction for each of us. Now, when you don't know what that purpose is, you need to start with what you do know. In fact, that's where this verse begins, is it not? And we know. Now, here in Romans chapter 8, there are a number of things that we know. Look with me at verse 1, will you please? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? If you are in Christ Jesus, you can know that God has given to you everything that you need for life and eternity. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's something else we know. Look with me at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. If you want to live in the Spirit, you know you have to think about what God has for you. Proper thinking leads to proper living. And so if you're going to walk in the Spirit, if you're going to live by the Spirit, you need to think like the Spirit. And how do you get that understanding? 
from the Word of God. And we know if we're thinking properly, then we will be living properly. Every once in a while, seldom, Connie and I disagree on something. And she will ask me this question, what were you thinking? I have learned over almost 46 years of marriage to say, hon, I wasn't. I just wasn't thinking at all. I don't need anything from the peanut gallery this morning, Vern. If we are going to live according to the Spirit, we must think according to the Spirit. And God has given us everything we need to accomplish that in our lives. Because the Spirit dwells us. Amen? If you want to live according to the flesh, think like the flesh. But if you want to live according to the Spirit, think like the Spirit. We know that. And it works. There's something else that we know, and Katie referred to this out of Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at it here in Romans chapter 8. Look with me at verse 9. You, however, are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if you have the Spirit of Christ, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he has raised Christ from the dead, and he will give you life. Did you catch all of that? We have life in Christ. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen? There is nothing greater than being a Christian. Can I say that again? And will you get a little more excited about that, please? There is nothing greater than being a Christian. Amen. Because in Christianity, we find life. Ephesians says that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. But he has made us alive in Jesus Christ. And you and I know that the greatest life that could possibly be lived is found in Jesus Christ. There's nothing better. Wouldn't trade it for this world. And one day we're going to get to live it out in eternity. Amen? And here's what Katie talked about. The connection we have in Christ. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, but according to the... To live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, for all, verse 14, who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Amen? You're a child of God. Think about that. I'm a Townsend. There were advantages and disadvantages to being a Townsend. When I was a kid, the only thing I could think about was the disadvantages. Right, Josh? Have my son with us today. He's a Townsend too. But I am a child of God, and there's nothing but advantages. And we didn't receive the spirit of slavery, verse 15, but the spirit of adoption as sons, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted. God chose us. I got stuck with Josh. I'm glad. I'm pleased about that. But God chose me. I don't have any idea why, but he did. And we know 
that. And we know we can cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba is a term of endearment. And it allows us to have that intimacy. It's an informal Aramaic term that could be translated Papa Daddy. My father's mother, I didn't know my father's dad. My father's dad died when my dad was six. But my father's mother was always grandmother. She was an English teacher, and we addressed her as grandmother. Now, my mom's mom was grandma. You know, there's a difference in a relationship between grandmother and grandma. Grandma always had cookies. Grandmother always had chores. I am so thankful that I have that wonderful relationship with God as my daddy. Now, that does not lessen who he is. He's still almighty, sovereign God. But I can go to him with great confidence and complete assurance that I can trust him with everything in my ever crawl up on God's lap, figuratively speaking? We can do that. We know. In verse 26, we know that when we don't even know how to pray, the Spirit prays for us, and the Spirit prays for us according to the will of God. So when you don't know, and you want to know, start with what you do know. May I repeat that? When you don't know and you want to know, start with what you do know. And we know that for those who love God, that's our responsibility. You remember the attorney who came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself, that's the Second greatest commandment. And on these two hinge all of the law and the prophets. Love God, love others. Now we won't take time this morning to go to Exodus chapter 20, but there we find the Ten Commandments. And the first four deal with our love to God. No other gods before me. No graven images. Don't take his name in vain, and remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And you have heard me say that that outlines for us that we must love the right God. We must love the right God in the right way. We must love the right God with the right attitude, and we must love the right God with the right kind of commitment. That's loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. That's what it's all about. Now, the last six... Give to us how we are to treat others. Honor your father and your mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. That's how we are to treat one another. And it's summed up, love your neighbors yourself. But the truth is, if we want to know, 
What we don't know, we start with what we do know. And we do know we're to love God. And frankly, if we do that, everything else is going to fade away. If we know what it is to love God, that settles it, doesn't it? And then what does God say? For those who love God, all things are worked together for good. Amen? So all I got to do is love God. And God takes care of the rest of it. Back in the 50s and 60s, there was a television show. Some of you may remember it. It was called Father Knows Best. Remember that? Robert Young was the star of that show. And it was a classic example of that period's pop culture. Robert Young, who was Jim Warren in the TV show, was a responsible parent who loved his wife and loved his kids. He was a man who'd do a paper out in the rain for his sick son. He was a man who'd always choose to see his daughter in a school program rather than attend an important Chamber of Commerce dinner. His family came first, but it was a delicate balancing act in his life, and the show revolved around all that. Let me tell you something. There is nothing in our lives that God cannot balance for our good and his glory, because he always does everything well amen i know what you're going through but i can tell you this god is good all the time because he works all things together and that is all inclusive now look at that red up there and tell me what's left out nothing is left out all things together for good. And aren't you thankful that he included that four-letter word good? It's okay. God's got us. And we can trust him. The Westminster Catechism asked this question, what is the chief end of man? The answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And once you understand this, you can enjoy God. Remember we said, Abba, Father? That's a good thing. And we do not have to fear what God wants to accomplish in our lives. And Katie, thank you so much for that reminder this morning. Did you read my sermon notes, Katie? Sounds like a God thing to me. What do you think? You don't have to be afraid because God puts it all together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Hmm? So we ask ourselves, what is God's purpose for our lives? It's a good question, right? What does God want to do in our lives? Now, we can sum up God's purpose in one word. 
And here it is. Drum roll, please. Christ-likeness. Look with me at verse 29. Are you there? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. To be conformed to the image of his Son. To be like Jesus. God's desire is that you and I are conformed to Jesus Christ in such a way that people look at us and see Jesus. Someone has said, your life may be the only Jesus that people see. And that's true. And if you want to sum up God's purpose, God's will, for your life, sum it up this way. Christ-likeness. Amen? Now, since I didn't get a very good amen on that, I'm going to keep going. If I'd have got a good amen, we'd have had the benediction left. So, what is God's will for our lives? What, what does Scripture tell us this Christ-likeness looks like? Well, it all begins with our salvation. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Last week we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We celebrated the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. We celebrated the wonder of God's love as he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to have a relationship with you, and he's done everything necessary. And all you have to do is believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's where God's will for your life begins. If you've never trusted Christ as personal Savior, this is where you need to go. God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. And not just to die for you, to go to the cross for you. Last Sunday morning we had a bell ringer. And I shared with you that on Friday night, a number of our students got together and they watched The Passion of Christ. And during that film, one of the students came to the understanding of all that God had done as he sent his son to die for that person. And following it, they trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, right? After all he's done for me. And so that's where God's will and purpose begins. And if you've not done that, that's step one for you. But if you've done that, you now have a responsibility to live that out in your lives. This morning in the Konania class, I asked them if they could quote for me Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Let me quote them. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation, amen? Verse 10. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God doesn't save us to sit. God saves us so that we can live out the life of a Savior and make a difference in this old world. So there are seven other responsibilities we have, not in any particular order, that help us live out God's will and God's purpose for our lives. Now, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning because we're going to look at these very quickly, all right? So you have your Bibles? You ready? We're going to Romans chapter 12 first. Romans chapter 12. So just over a few chapters from where you are. Romans chapter 12. Familiar verses, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God's purpose for your life, God's will for my life, is that we present our bodies living sacrifices. It ought to cost you something because it costs God everything. Amen? I don't know if you're a Rush Limbaugh fan or not. And I don't want to get political here. But Rush Limbaugh has written an opinion piece that basically says if you want to live in America, it ought to cost you something to be an American because of all the advantages we have as U.S. citizens. Amen? Uh, and think about the advantages we have of citizens of heaven. And here Paul says, present your bodies living sacrifice. What's that mean? Be holy, be acceptable unto God because that's our worship. And what's the contrast? Don't be conformed to the world, right? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Lust the flesh, lust the eyes, the pride of life. That's First John stuff. If we want to fulfill God's purpose, we have to be willing to be holy, which is acceptable to God. And that means presenting our bodies living sacrifices. That's not easy, folks. But that's how we live out God's will, right? By testing, you can discern what is the will of God. Go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Page 1,245 if you have a Bible like mine. Look with me at verse 6. Talking about service. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. But as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. 
It is God's will that we become servants of Christ. Not pleasing man, not man pleasers, but pleasing Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that we are not to be slothful, but servant, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hmm? What are you doing to serve Jesus Christ? Can you identify in your life something that you are doing to serve the one who died for you? It's part of God's will. Did you see it there? Doing the will of God? From our hearts. Jump over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Look with me at verse 12. Talk about Epaphroditus, one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ. It says, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Now, what is that? Here it is. Prayer, supplication is God's will for our lives. You know, God wants us to talk to him. Now, it is true that God knows everything that's going on in your life. Amen? And sometimes we think, well, I don't need to talk to God about that. Here he knows. Oh, God wants us to talk to him. My Connie was gone last week. And she got home about 5 o'clock, met me here at the church because we had a 5.30 engagement, just a, just a great time with some folks and a privilege to, to be part of their, their lives. But you know what? I couldn't wait to get home to talk to Connie, catch up on her week. And you know what? She saved a whole bunch of her 10,000 words just for me. I can't wait to talk to God about stuff. And I can do that any place, any time, and I can talk to him about anything. And that's God's will. We're told to pray without ceasing, amen? We are told to always be in an attitude of prayer. Praying always with prayer and supplication. Let our requests be made known unto God. It's, it's God's will that we open our hearts to God. And we cast our care upon him. Why? He cares. He cares for us. That's back to that Abba Father stuff. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look with me in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, we didn't read verse 1 where it talks about how we ought to walk to please God. We didn't read verse 2 where it talks about knowing his commandments. But we did read verse 3 where it talks about our sanctification, which is our growth in the things of God. Setting ourselves apart for 
God. And it's God's will that we set ourselves apart exclusively for him. I always wonder how I get in some conversations. I don't volunteer for these things. It just kind of happens to me. I know people look at me and say, yeah, I can tell him anything. But it happens. The other day I was at the gym. And there were a couple of young guys. In, in fact, one was a personal trainer and the other guy was about 260 and about 6'3". And they were taking selfies. I kid you not. They were in the locker room. So I made some comment. That's probably why I get myself in these situations. I said, well, who's that for? I didn't know if he's going to make a poster. I didn't know what they could do with it. He said, oh, that's for his girlfriend. And I said, well, if you've got to take a selfie to show your girlfriend how buffed you are, then you're in trouble. I'm still not sure how I got in this situation. <laughs> because they started to talk about temptations you can have as you look at other girls. I mean, these are young guys. And I said to them, I've been married 46 years and been faithful to my wife. And there's only one girl for me. Why? I've set myself apart for her. I took it real seriously when I said for better or for worse. And I got the better and she got the worse. <laughs> and she's not even here to hear that. But God expects us to exclusively give ourselves to him. Is that too much to ask? As obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to our former lust and our ignorance, but as he who has called us is holy, so be holy. And it says, in all manner of life, in everything, no caveats, no exceptions, be holy. For it's written, be holy for I, the Lord, am holy. I mean, it's, that's sanctification, right? And we are to set ourselves apart. That's God's will. Let's move on. You still in 1 Thessalonians? Go to chapter 5, verse 18. I like this one. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you, you remember called according to his purpose? Remember all things work together for good? Do you, do you, do you remember how God knows best? In everything, give thanks. God, I'm satisfied with who you are and what you're doing in my life. God, you're so good all the time. 
and in everything I can give you praise and honor and glory. Is that even for the flat tires in life? Uh-huh. Even for the potholes you, you hit that jerk you around a little bit? And we've all hit those here in Michigan, haven't we? Even for the detours that sometimes life takes that are unexpected? Even for the delays in life? In everything? Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. In everything, give thanks. Two more very quickly. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, look with me at verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. <laughs> now what's that mean? It means do good. No matter what, do good. Why? Because you'll put to silence foolish people. Peter goes on to say, who will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? <laughs> may not be comfortable. It may not be convenient. Just do good. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do good. He did it in a gravelly voice. Good. Tell the heavens fall, do good. That hurt. Why? Because you put to silence foolish people. Jump over to chapter 4 of 1 Peter. Verse 19. Therefore, and you have to read the preceding verses to know what it's there for, but those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. Suffering's okay. It's okay. Because God's got it. It's okay. Because God will work it together for good. It's okay. Because God can use it to bring glory to his name. So what do all of these things tell us? Simply this, God's will for our lives is Christ-likeness. <laughs> Can you look at all of those elements and see Jesus Christ? Can you look at all of those responsibilities and, and see them lived out in the, the life of Jesus? We talk about it being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what is challenging your life right now? There's something, because we all have it, right? 
What is challenging your life right now? How is that changing you? And how is that change helping you conform to the character of Christ? All right? What is challenging your life right now, and how is that changing you, and how is that change helping you conform to the character of Jesus Christ? You see, the truth is, Romans 8, 28 is in the book. And we read it again? Here we go. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And his purpose is that we be like Jesus Christ. 